Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Contrary to what you and I might think, I believe that most people, yes, most people have a favorable opinion of Jesus. I believe that most people not only appreciate, but welcome the kind of Jesus that wows them and gives them good things. Who doesn't like to have a Savior in their corner? The kind of Savior that does the miraculous is just the kind of Savior that many churches worship. A Savior who gives out free food. Yes, that is the kind of Savior that many churches follow. In a reading from the Gospel of John, it is no different. It is no different at all. Jesus had been healing the sick and multiplying food to fill hungry bellies. And as a result, crowds followed him. Now, we must keep in mind that these signs of healing, these signs of multiplying food were not bad and they were not wrong. But unfortunately, as we heard in our reading from the Gospel of John, these signs did not have their intended effect on the people. Instead of listening to Jesus, 
the people became little enthusiastic circus goers. Now, dear friends, we must keep in mind that Jesus is not just another act. He is not just another act in a circus performance where he heals the sick and multiplies bread. He is not just another act before the juggler who tosses fire or after the clown who throws peanuts. Jesus is not an entertainer. He is not a peanut thrower. But unfortunately, that crowd saw him that way. The crowd was all about bread and circuses. They saw the signs of Jesus as something to satisfy their most immediate entertainment needs and carnal desires. And so they could not see beyond the miraculous signs of Jesus. Dear friends, the signs of Jesus were intended to point the people, the people to the one doing the signs themselves. The signs were a motive to listen to Christ. The signs were designed to cause the people to look to the one doing the miracles. However, as we have heard, while those people, they were short-sighted. That group, that 5,000, they were indeed short-sighted. They could not look beyond the appetite of their bellies and their superficial appeasements. They were bread and circus consumers. But isn't that how it works, though, with our sinful nature? Yes, with our sinful nature. Doesn't our sinful nature only look at what we can get and what we want and when we want it? It makes sense, doesn't it, why the large crowd was tempted to grab a hold of the signs while not really caring about the sign giver. We can actually hear, if we listen ever so carefully, that old Adam that old Adam saying this, give us the miracles, but we don't need the miracle giver. Give us bread and circuses, not the truth and not the life. But what happens after we get our fill of bread and circus routines? Well, as we see in our gospel reading, the large crowd, well, they liked those signs of Jesus so much that they came up with this ingenious idea to seize Jesus, to, to capture him and make him their own as a king so that they could get more signs from him. They wanted to make Jesus their king by force. They did not want Jesus to be a king according to God the Father, but they wanted to have Jesus as their king so that they could shape him according to their desires. They wanted to make him a king according to their cookie-cutter expectations and their carnal desires. Tragically, this same kind of temptation and tactic exists in the church in the 21st century. In the church today, many seize Jesus and make him into a king of preconceived desires and wishes. For an example, there is a dangerous movement in Christianity right now called the prosperity gospel movement. It is also known as the health and wealth gospel. You can spot this prosperity theology in so-called Christian books at many major retail stores in America. They Typically, these books, they typically have a well-dressed and smiling, successful person on the cover of the book, holding those discerning fingers up to their chin, looking ever so impressive. The cover of the book, it actually communicates that if you adhere to the author's theology, that good things will be on the way for you. 
And as you read these books, the false theology will fixate you on the financial blessings and physical well-being that you are supposedly given by God himself, only if you are positive and faithful like the author. In other words, physical health and prosperity are signs of God's favor and belong to Christians who have a vibrant faith, an activated faith. But keep in mind that all the person has to do to get this health and wealth is to name it and claim it from God with a bold and positive faith. As a result of these books, hundreds of thousands of Christians, while they pursue this poisonous prosperity theology, chasing after health and wealth, while the Lord himself, well, he's kind of an afterthought. Naive and misguided Christians run frantically after the signs of wealth and health, while Jesus is treated as an afterthought. Jesus is only desired for the gifts of health and wealth that he supposedly gives. You see, it's no wonder why thousands upon thousands of people flock into these churches. They are not actually seeking Christ, but the supposed health and wealth given by Christ. And the church, yes, the churches, churches that hold to this wretched prosperity theology, they're either severely misguided or willfully deceitful, for they are using the signs of health and prosperity as a carrot on a end of a stick, to string people along. Now, dear friends, it is important, it is important for us to keep in mind that Jesus did not perform signs and he did not perform miracles on every single sick person in Israel. Jesus, he did not feed every single crowd that was hungry that he encountered. What this means is that Jesus did not exist for the sake of doing and distributing signs only. Jesus was not a means to the end of healings and miracles and signs. He was not some sort of base that you had to round in order to get the home plate of miracles. But instead, the signs, they existed for the sake of Jesus to point to him. Keep in mind that the people in the large crowd, they wanted to seize Jesus to get him to do the signs that they wanted, which is completely backwards to the whole intent and the purpose of the signs in the first place. And so, my friends, if you have seized Jesus and made him your king to keep him around to answer to your bidding, well, you are not acting like a member of Christ's church. You are acting like a circus mob. Christ is not some sort of genie in a bottle that answers to your wishes. He is not like a a vending machine that answers to your demands to get free food. He is not a circus act that is meant to merely entertain. Dear baptized saints, Christ's church is not a bread circus. The Lord may not always help you in the way that you want. He may supply miraculous help as he did with those 5,000 hungry individuals in our gospel reading, or he may give you a miracle, even if you do not recognize it at the time, or instead you may experience something that seemed like a miracle, even though it may have only been God using natural means and resources to solve your problem. See, that is how the Lord works. He organizes and orchestrates events in precisely the right way and at the right time to help and to serve you. 
Furthermore, what this prosperity gospel teaching fails to realize is that sometimes, sometimes instead of solving your problems and giving you your wildest dreams, making them come true, the Lord, he may allow your problems to remain. He may choose to have you suffer hardship for a time, even as he provides you the power to stand by his grace. This also is the Lord's loving care. But perhaps the most important thing to realize is that the signs of the Lord are meant to point us to the character and the mission and the identity of Christ. Think of it this way for a moment. That great crowd that wanted to seize Christ, to make him a king according to their own desires. But their desires of making him a king were actually so limited. What they wanted was to take him to Jerusalem to be a messianic king over the Roman Empire. But my friends, a mere messianic king over a tiny world empire accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes nothing over mankind's biggest problem of sin and death and the devil himself. And so this is the reason why Jesus withdrew from their scheming and withdrew from their plans to seize him as their king. Their plans were were actually too short-sighted. Their plans were too narrow-minded. Christ had more to give than mere physical healings and simple bread. Thus, instead of being seized, Jesus, he went on to Jerusalem on his own accord to accomplish the ultimate sign of a bloody cross and an empty tomb. What this means is that you, yes, you have a Savior that is greater than what your limited desires and wants and needs are to you. Think about that for a moment. Let that sink in. You have a Savior that is greater than what your limited desires want and need. You want entertainment, but you are given so much more. A bloody cross of forgiveness for all of your sins. You want a circus, but are given so much more, an empty tomb of life. You want health, but are given so much more, eternal life. You want wealth, but you are given so much more. You are given rich mercy and grace. You want prosperity, but you are given so much more, and an identity in your baptism, a a clear conscience in absolution, and assurance in the supper. Baptized saints, Jesus is not the king that you and I want, but the king that you and I need. He is the king, not only that we need, but the king that we actually have right now as his baptized saints you belong to christ you are in christ and christ is for you in the name of jesus amen thy strong word bespeaks us righteous bright with thine Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The, the Lord, Lord bless and keep you. you.